Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I am your host as always, Eric Spropolis, and you can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. Before we get into this episode of the 94 Feet Report, in which we'll be talking uh, Tim Duncan and some Summer League and some free agent wrap-up, I'd like to let you all know about our new sponsor, Fan Essentials. So how would you like to get all of your favorite NBA team's merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep? Check out fanessentials.net. I mean, all you do is pick your favorite sport team, and every month you get your team's gear shipped right to your door. They find the sports gear so you don't have to, and each fan box comes packed full with some amazing gear that you won't find anywhere else. It makes a great gift idea for any sports fan. Prices start at just $34.99. You can visit fanessentials.net and use promo code 94FEET, that's at 94FEET, at checkout for 30% off your first month. Again, you can visit fanessentials.net to get all the essentials you need. And at the end of today's episode, I will be revealing the, the giveaway question, which means that if you answer the question correctly, um, I'll post it on Twitter as well. If you answer the question correctly, whoever gets it first, I will give them a code that gives them a, their first free month at Fan Essentials. I've used it. It's great. You all should check it out. Anyways, we are joined today again by Alex Bropolis. Alex, how are you doing today? Uh, good, Eric. Thanks for having me again. I know you couldn't get me out of the studio this time. Yeah, exactly. He's, stick- he's sticking around for a little bit, guys. Um, so again, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about a couple of topics. Um, the first one we're going to get to is probably one of the biggest topics in the NBA this week. Tim Duncan retired. Called it a career after 19 seasons. Um, how do you view Duncan and his legacy? I mean, uh, D- Duncan is truly a once-in-a-generation type of athlete. You know, he's someone who, you know, didn't put the spotlight on himself. You know, he didn't, you know, seek out money or fame or, you know, influence over the game. He was someone who handled the business on the court, you know, didn't really want attention off the court. And someone who is a perfect role model is someone you want to model your game after and your character after. Maybe not as, you know, quiet as him, but still someone, you know, treated the game with respect and, you know, was universally respected by all he played with. Yeah, essentially the the true team player. I mean, he would take a pay cut when he needed to. All he wanted to all he really cared about was winning rings and championships, which you can't really say that for uh many other stars. And you brought up his personality because, you know, this whole week I've been watching and listening to people, you know, after they talk about his legacy like we're doing and we're going to follow suit. The next question is basically, you know, they compare him to Kobe and, you know, the two legacies, you know, similar five titles. They Kobe was 20 years, Duncan 19. Um, how do you view their legacies together? And then really the question I saw the other day was very interesting was that if you had the uh, option to, to choose a player that would have Duncan's career or Kobe's career, which player would you select? Well, before we do that, and I, you know, I have some interesting, I think I have some interesting things to say on that. I just want to note that I think a player that like Duncan is not going to be found anytime soon in the NBA just because of the way that, you know, course, everyone but is just a hypothetical just to compare Kobe right. and Duncan. No, but I'm saying, but you're not gonna not not to just to compare them, just just in the way that ev- everyone seems to be able to, you know, forego team loyalty to look out for winning. Durant, who just betrayed Oklahoma City. You know, you had LeBron before when he went to Miami, and then thankfully came back and is now a hero in the community. But you're gonna have, and you know, you had the big three in Boston, and D- Duncan never sought that out, and now everyone's so. In, 
you know, wrapped up in winning that, you know, Dunk, a player like Duncan is not going to come around again because the pressure is too immense. That's true. So going to what you said about, you know, Duncan versus Kobe, I think that if I'm a, if I'm a general manager, I'm part of an organization, I want Tim Duncan. He's great success, great offensive player, you know, had this all-around skills, great leader in the locker room, very easy person to deal with, always accommodating for the organization. But if I'm a fan, I want Kobe Bryant. He's ex- more exciting. He brings more attention to the team, and he's also a flashier player. He scores more points. You know, he has the nice shoes that you can go out and buy. You have the cool jersey you can go out and buy. And so you want that attention as a fan. You always want your team to have notoriety. You don't want your team to be very boring or slow or, you know, very drab. So you want Kobe if you're a fan, but if you're a player – or part of an organization, you you it's undoubtedly you want Duncan. It's less headaches for everyone around. And well, I would even argue that certain people in an organization, such as, such as an owner or even a GM, but more likely an owner would ha- rather have Kobe just for the marketability. Um, you know, Kobe's personality obviously had more commercials and shoe deals and stuff like right. that. Um, I'm just thinking. I mean, I really think that I agree. I'd rather have Duncan. Obviously, as a fan, you know. I mean, I know Spurs fans appreciate him, but from the outside, and it's hard to appreciate a player who really just goes about his business because you rarely see that nowadays. Right. I mean, but when I saw his legacy, I mean, he had more finals MVPs and regular season MVPs than Kobe. And the reason why I, if I had the option, as I proposed, you know, to choose which player, I would choose Duncan is his his longevity. Mm -hmm. He was still a great, good player. Last year, he was pretty bad, especially in the playoffs. But the year before and the year after that, two years ago and last year, um, he was a pretty great player. Right. I mean, um, I saw somewhere that he finished top five in, in MVP voting his first eight seasons and then top three like six other times or something, which just speaks to his longevity. I mean, the guy was – I think he had the best defensive box plus minus this season at age 39. Um, so he was obviously exposed in the playoffs, and it, people knew it was pretty much his time to go. But unlike Kobe, who unfortunately due to injuries, had his p- final three seasons were basically a joke. Right. Um, Duncan was actually competing at a high level, leading to the, leading the Spurs in the playoffs, and actually three years ago in the championship. So, um, and also to another point to that, you always I always got this feeling when you watch Kobe Bryant playing that you know it was about Kobe Bryant first, and the reason the Lakers were really big was partly because of Kobe Bryant. You know, it was Kobe would would have taken the shots if he was on the Lakers, or if he stayed. On Hornets when he was drafted to them, you know, saying you know, yeah. Hornets would have been the Hornets could have been huge. That Mamba mentality, years. exactly. It's the Mamba <laughs> mentality. You know, it's Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, and then you know, then maybe I'll pass the ball one every six times, yeah. as opposed to Tim Duncan, who you never really thought of as commanding the ball. You never really thought of him as sort of putting himself before the organization. You know, because he came there with Dave Robinson was there, so he was sort of the second fiddle to him. And then you came about that time with with Ginobili and with Parker, and also the you know the big you know, legendary Greg Popovich sort of leading that group, so... Yeah, I, I think the, the organizations that they were both that they were both landed on for their careers were played a role in how he perceived them a little bit. San Antonio kind of just goes about his business. Popovich is the classic, you know, you know, no excuses coach. They had such a, a strong organization there, and the Lakers have a strong organization there too, but when you think about the Lakers, you think about, you know, L.A., Hollywood, you know, especially when Kobe comes into play, you think about all these personalities and how they can market uh, whatever they got. Um, so now that Duncan's gone, both Duncan and Bryant will be out of the league next year. It'll be kind of weird to see, but obviously we all knew it was coming. Let's move on. I mean, just more general talk for the Spurs. Um, I think that this will be Manu's last season, and I think that Popovich 
probably goes a year or two more and retires probably when Parker does, which I think Parker probably does two more years. And obviously this depends on their playoff success, but with the Warriors, you know, I don't see the Spurs competing with the Warriors. But um, just a question for you, you know, where do you, when do you think Manu, Parker, and Pop call it a career in how many more years? I think Manu Ginobili should have retired at the end of this year. I agree. (laughs) I mean, I don't blame him. He got, what, $14 million? That's because the 76ers uh, pushed the Spurs, but he was going to get like five or six. He's getting $14 million. Good for him. He's had a great career, you know. One of the first, like, really good for over non-United States players, you know, him and Dirk, that's sort of that whole, you know, Steve Nash, if you count Steve Nash, I guess, in that whole generation of, like, you know, foreign talent. But I think that the Spurs are not, I'm not saying to the Spurs that they're in trouble. You know, they have all well, this. They're not, well, they have Gasol. Well, just to preface that, the whole league is in trouble because right. the Warriors are a super team and the Cavs are unstoppable in the Right, and I don't think that, I, not, not to say that they're going to beat the Warriors, I just think that, I think that they'll be number two and I think that, you know, if they play out, things go well for them in the playoffs, they avoid injuries, they have, you know, they maintain that good team chemistry, they can lose to the Warriors in five in, well, the, game, in the conference finals. And it's not like... Yeah, no, and the thing to point out about that is that the Spurs pretty much the, the thorn in the Spurs side over the past three or four or five seasons has been the Thunder. Right. The young, athletic, you know, it kind of caught them the Spurs in the second round when they'd be kind of worn out. Uh, they don't have that problem anymore because most likely the Thunder either will be at a different seed. If the Spurs are two, as we both think they will be next year because they got Gasol, who will probably be even better than Duncan was last year. Um, not defensively, but offensively at least. Um, they should be number two and, and maybe OKC can be like a Maybe a six seed, probably. If they if things go well, maybe they can get home court advantage. And who, who knows if Portland plays out? We'll talk, you know, about that in a different episodes closer to the season. Right. We're and predicting. We're going. We're, it's too early to predict. Yeah, right. And also, don't forget that like, the, the 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 Warriors didn't beat the didn't beat the Spurs when they went to their two titles. So mm-hmm. there was it was almost like they didn't. They, we we haven't really seen a seven game matchup between exactly, the two teams. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, we only seen them. You know, they got delayed by OKC, and then you know the Warriors obviously coasted two years ago to the title, so... Yeah, so, I mean, I, th- I think that with OKC out and the Spurs, you know, doing their usual resting kind of Popovich ways can probably make it to the Western Conference Finals and lose to the Warriors, which, is, at this point, with their aging core, I know they still have Kawhi in his prime and, and Aldridge in his prime, but with, you know, Duncan gone, Ginobili and Parker aging, Popovich aging, he <laughs> he's a coach, um, the Conference Finals should be their goal, I believe. I don't really see a clear number three that can really pose a threat, because... Mm-hmm. Except no. the Clippers, who did beat them in the first round two years ago. But you never know with the Clippers anymore, because they seem to have an injury every other day. Plus, I think Clippers will probably trade like half their team before uh, the That is possible. <laughs> the rumors were Blake Griffin. The Celtics are going after Blake Griffin uh, or Westbrook. So we'll see which one gets traded first. My money's on Westbrook, but... Mine too. Um, anyway, so that moves on to our Duncan slash Spurs talk for the episode. Um, we could do a quick little free agency wrap-up. There really aren't many other notable signings. Um... I believe you'll talk about the uh, Blazers and Heat matching these uh, offers from the Nets in our our new segment, Best and Worst of the Week. Right. Um, but let's just want to mention that just as a to give the facts to everyone listening. So the Blazers matched uh, the Nets, uh, I believe, four-year, seventy-five million dollar deal to Alan Crabb. So he's back, and most likely coming off the bench, which is a lot of money for a bench guy uh, who really isn't proven. And the Nets had the money to throw at him, and he's young, so they were kind of banking on it. Um, but the Blazers matched that. Um, and basically, with C.J. McCollum up for an extension next summer, this basically means once they re-sign him to what, what most likely will be the max, they are pretty much locked into this team for the next several years. So Scary. Um, scary, right? I said I said their peak 
I believe their peak is like a number four seed in the West. Um, they pretty much most people assume that they would have been eliminated last year if the, the Clippers hadn't been demolished by injuries. Yeah. So, uh, you think do you agree that their peak is a, probably a number four seed um, with maybe a second round playoff exit? If I mean, I don't see where this. It just team... depends on how how good Lillard gets. Exactly. You know, no one expected Lillard to play as well as he did. Do you think he can get better year? than he was last year? Yeah, I, I never. I, think that I never. Was... You never now that Steph Curry, for example, you never thought Steph Curry was going to be this good until he actually became this good. Yeah, you knew he was a good shooter, but you didn't know he was going to be this good of a shooter. So you never know. Damian Lillard, you know he everyone knows he has that special talent within him. It is a potential of how much is he going to, how much is the Blazers organization be able to tap that talent, and what kind of pieces around him is Alan Crabb going to get better? I don't know. Well, the Maybe. Nets are surely banking on it. Now, now the Blazers are banking on paying him seventeen and a half right? million McCollum, a year. Right, McCollum. McCollum. He's a solid, He's a good player, but McCollum exploded gonna... last year. If he can in keep the... up this, if he can keep up his, um, how he played last year for, for the rest of his prime, then yes, of course he deserves a max. But who knows? Maybe that was an outlier year. I don't think so. I think he'll stay where he was right. because he's next to Lillard and other great guards. So the defenses can't focus on one or the other. But I have serious concerns about signing Evan Turner to four year seventy and then matching Allen Crabb four year seventy five. Ridiculous. I mean. Uh, they have Al Fugamino on a really cheap deal. I think he's making $6 million a year now, which he signed last summer, which is a bargain now. But they also don't have much interior play. I mean, they signed Festus Azili, but, you know, with his knee injuries. I don't know. I think that they should have let Crab go because you could have – I mean, Turner's a very similar player, not as good, not a good shooter. Crab's a good shooter, but Turner can create a little bit more and a little bit better defender, I think. Um, yeah, I don't see how this team and the, the way the NBA is set up right now in which you need – you know, excluding the Warriors, obviously, you know, but before this offseason, you still needed at least two big guys who are going to be able to carry your team, you know, throughout the playoffs. You know, the Thunder had Westbrook and Durant, but that didn't even get them to the finals. You know, LeBron has Kyrie and, you know, some say Kevin Love, and that brought them success. And, you know, LeBron had, you know, Bosch and Wade. I don't think that Damian Lillard, McCollum are going to be the two guys that are going to make Portland over the top in that franchise. And it doesn't make sense to me why the organization thinks that these deals are going to make them competitive for a title, which is obviously what they, you know, no team is going to say, oh, well, you know, we'll settle for a second round exit. That's not, that's not. A, I think deep in the back of the minds of GMs and front offices, that's basically what they think. But obviously no one will say that. No one will say it out loud. And that's what you, you can't openly be set, be making moves that don't appear to be striving for the great, unless you're openly in a rebuild like the 76ers or the Nets. Yeah. So I don't think that, it to me it almost seems like a disservice to the future of the organization to the fans because in all likelihood and I watch in five years we're going to be talking about Blazers championship in a podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Wouldn't go. I'm just that. saying. <laughs> who knows? I'm just saying that you know they, it seems like they're just prolonging a rebuild that should be coming sooner than it would be if after these deals and after these. Well, deals the thing are- is that. I know we're talking a lot about the Blazers, but the thing is that most people once Aldridge left, Batum was traded. Um, Robin Lopez uh, was, I believe, left in free agency for the Knicks. Once those guys, many people expected them to rebuild last year. And then the team exploded under Terry Stotts and got the, uh, I think, five seed and then got lucky with the um, uh, playoffs with the Clippers injuries. Um, so it's, it's interesting because most people expected a rebuild last year and they kind of made some rebuild moves. I mean, Amino's young. They re-signed Lillard to make sure he's locked up like the Rockets did with Harden. Um, and so it's interesting that they... they they almost seem to like this might be kind of a continuation of the rebuild. I mean, I mean Evan Turner is 27. 
Uh, Crab is only 24. They're still young guys. Yeah. And now the thing is that those con- – I just – I really – I'm okay with signing Turner if you don't match Crab or matching Crab and not signing Turner. But obviously they signed Turner. Seems redundant. It just – yeah, exactly. I mean you're paying Turner – if Turner's going to start at small forward and Crab's going to back him up, you're paying, uh, I, I believe, $35 million in two small forwards that really would not – probably start on a championship team. Right. So it's it's interesting to see they're in between they're like in a rebuild but obviously not because they think, you know, they made the second round last year, we can build on this. Who knows? I think that's right. enough. And and to be fair, I'm not I don't you know, all respect to Neil Oshie and the the uh, Blazers staff here, you know, yeah, shout no, out to Flushing Queens, but I'm and just, Syracuse University. And Syracuse University. So, you uh-huh. know, it's not a thing against him. I think it's a problem that a lot of the NBA teams now are currently having, and I think it's in part due to the raise in the cap that they're feeling the need to throw out these big contracts and longer contracts to players that I don't think are going to ultimately end up bringing tremendous impact to the franchise, and I think that it does a disservice to the fans who are looking for a top competitive product at all times, and even though it doesn't seem like it's going to be easy, you can't try to distract the fans by throwing these big contracts of players who might not necessarily deserve it out into the you know the, the NBA stratosphere. I think it's a disservice to fans, I think it's a disservice to the organizations too, and you know, all respect to the players because they deserve the money because you know these are once-in-a-lifetime talents that we're talking about in the NBA. So and possibly once-in-a-lifetime contract at those times. Exactly. These are business money that's going to be carrying them through the rest of their life, so I don't hold anything against the players for taking these deals. Who's going to deny more money? Yeah, that's enough Blazers talk for today. Um, anyways, on, another matching note, the Heat matched, I believe, is a four-year at 50 or $53 million deal from the Nets for Tyler Johnson. Um, again, I, I, once Wade left, it was pretty evident that they're going to match it. I think if Wade had stayed with the Heat, they would have probably been okay with letting Johnson go. Um, but again, we can, you know, we'll talk about that later in our best and worst of the week, or at least surely you will. Uh, so let's get to some Summer League, the only actual basketball that's being played. There have been, this. I'll also address this a lot in my best and worst of the week, so I'm not going to do a lot of the talking for Summer League right now. I know you have a couple of ideas on certain players, um, but I just want to mention a couple of impressive players that I've seen. Devin Booker, one of my favorite players. You know he's one of my favorite players. I mean, he's we, good. He's, he's very good. Yeah. Okay, so Devin Booker averaging 26 points per game, 5 rebounds, and 6.5 assists per game. He only played two Summer League games because pretty much everyone knows he's just too good for Summer League. I know he's only 19, and he, he's, he's a sophomore, but this guy was dominating on the court. I mean, he was passing the ball. I mean, 6.5 assists per game for a year. He was a shooting guard. Uh, was very impressive. He was making his own shot, hitting his threes, exactly what you want to see from a sophomore. Sophomores should be dominating the Summer League. Five rebounds, too, which is quite impressive. Exactly. Soft, especially sophomores in the top of their rookie class, like D'Angelo Russell and Trey Lowes, who I'll, I'll talk about, should be dominating Summer League if you really think that they're, the, they're going to take the next step in this year. Chris Dunn had that flashy first game with those crossovers um, and drives to the rim. I mean, he looked pretty impressive. His second game wasn't as impressive, um, but he had some injury concerns. And, and you know, I, I think he can be pretty good. I love his situation in, in Minnesota with Thibodeau um, and then obviously with Towns and Wiggins. Uh, another player I talked about, D'Angelo Russell, averaging 21.8 points per game, 6.3 rebounds for a point guard, which is great. Yes, incredible. Um, only four four assists, but he was really looking for a shot, and he had that pretty good uh, buzzer beater, which actually got me excited for a summer league game for yeah, the first nice time. Yeah, nice sequence, in, back-to-back possessions. You got those key uh, shots. I don't think I've ever been more excited for a summer league ending ever. Ice in the veins. D'Angelo Russell. Um, Trey Lyles has been dominating, 29 points a game. And seven rebounds per game. Another guy way too good for Summer League. Way too good. That's why he only played two, two games. games. D'Angelo also played four, I'm pretty sure, which is pretty shocking. I guess he wanted to. 
Um, and so Sam, the Rockets just closed out their summer league, and Sam Decker had a pretty nice game, I believe, of uh, 17 points and 7 rebounds. I think he finished the summer league averaging uh, 15 points per game. I think he shot 39% from three. He showed that he could probably, he will make the rotation. Uh, he'll make the roster, obviously, and, and depending on how poorly Corey Brewer plays, I mean, I know Rockets fans know how bad Corey Brewer was last season. If Corey Brewer is as bad as he was last season, Decker will surely be the backup small forward unless the Rockets make a trade, obviously. Um, so those are just a couple of guys. I mean, obviously, let's talk about Ben Simmons. Um, he showed a lot of flash and potential. I mean, how many vines did everyone see throughout every guy, every game he played, which was, I think, two or three with today's game? Um, there would be at least three or four vines of his great passing. Um, but if you watch the games, you would see his horrible shooting, and he's a little bit too hesitant, which I'm worried about. Um, I'm worried about defenders just sagging off him, guarding other players, and letting him shoot. And so I yeah. think until he develops that shot, he really won't be an unstoppable force. Yes, he'll be a great passer. I mean, he might. I don't even know how many assists he could average a game. Maybe seven. Which is impressive from very, a four. Very impressive. But he might set the record for lowest field goal percentage in the season. So um, I, I think Simmons can be good, but he has to develop some sort of at least mid-range shot. I mean, I I mean agree, we've yeah. seen Rondo and. And Rondo really never developed a shot. He, last year he started developing it, but up until then people would sag off him and, and he'd have a lot of turnover issues. So, And Ben Simmons seems, especially in his rookie year in Philadelphia, there could probably be some turnover issues, but they don't probably really care about that for his rookie season. Right, the whole season's going to be based around developing Ben Simmons. They don't care about how many wins they get. Ben Simmons, but they also got some youngsters in Noel. They might trade Hopefully Embiid can, you know, Embiid, my guy. You know he's my guy. Embiid's my guy. Let's see if he's on the court. I'm telling you, he could be rookie of the year. I know Joe Embiid's listening, so we have the same amount of points right now in NBA. Same (laughs) amount of minutes, too. So he's going to probably tweet at me right now. Yeah, sure. He'll tweet at you. Um, uh, So, yeah, you can, so what players have caught your eye in Summer League? I know Ben Simmons is on your radar and has been on your radar ever since he was drafted. So we're going to talk, I want to just start with Ben Simmons just for a second because, you know, there's been a lot of controversy or conversation around the fact that he's been sitting out the last two games. Uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas well, went Isaiah so Thomas far. is absolutely ridiculous. Yes, Isaiah that. Thomas, go back to whatever the post the New York Liberty had you at and just go back in there and stay in MSG and lock yourself <laughs> in a room, okay? Don't come out. Don't give me any commentary. <laughs> no more public no, comments. No I more think. public comments, okay? We've had <laughs> enough of you. Destroyed the Knicks franchise, essentially. All I'm saying is Ben Simmons... Young guy, what is he, 20, 19? Uh, I think he's 20. I think he's 20. 20. He has a lot of, you know, energy. I understand that they're worried about resting him. They don't want, they, they don't want him to get hurt. They don't want him but to... But also, it's important to know, I, I saw this on Twitter, the 76ers did the exact same thing in Summer League with Julio Ogilvy last year. So it's not like they just did it for Simmons only. They do it for most of their uh, right. rookies the last couple of years. Right, hopefully. Okay, yeah, and I'm just hoping, fingers crossed, Ben Simmons can avoid the Sixers rookie plague where you have to miss at least, like, 15 games during the season. So, I mean, he's impressive. He has Obviously, the talent is real. The passing talent, the vision, the, the you know, the passing lanes is, you know, impressive. And obviously, he's rebounding. He's a huge guy. You know, but he can drive, and everyone knew that. And he has impressive skills when taking the ball into the basket. I just think that, like you said, mid-range, mid-range game or some sort of outside shot is important for him. Also, I think that he would benefit to be around better shooters. That's true. I mean, he's playing in a summer but league. Did, he's playing they... in a summer league. Like with this Nick Stauskas, okay? Like, uh, of course. And right. Stauskas' career is pretty. I mean, he is bound to be summer league for the next four years, anyways. Exactly. I mean, and just moving on from him, I want to talk about quickly about Bobby Portis. I was always very big on Bobby Portis. I think he is a underrated draft pick last year. I think that he now that Joakim Noah is gone and Gasol is gone, I think that he's going to provide a better 
contrib- contribution for the Bulls. And they're expecting and him they're to. Expecting he is him the backup four right now. Right, he is. What he what, And look at his stats this year. He had 15.5 points and 9.5 rebounds. And he, he played four games. He also had a block, uh, steal and a half and a block and a half. Which is impressive. And he's a, he's a very talented guy, and you could see that when you watch a tape of him in college. I think that Bobby Portis is a player to look out for, and I think that he also is on the verge of becoming too good for Summer League. But in a different sense that Lyles and Booker are, but in the sense that he just is a very becoming very wise on the game as opposed to the pure talent that is being um, displayed by Lyle and and Booker. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, Portis has looked good. Kind of a similar player at least for and I follow Montrez Harrell from the Rockets, obviously, because I think he can be a very if he's a, if he uses his motor, he can be like a kind of a poor man's Kenneth Reed. I mean, he's trying to develop a three point shot and it's not working out for him in summer league. But kudos for him to to try to try and impress Mike D'Antoni because we know everyone's trying to impress D'Antoni with their three-point shooting so they can get in the rotation. Yeah, if you shoot, you can't shoot, you don't, you sit in the pencil all the time. Exactly. You need to shoot in D'Antoni's system, so I think Harold's with D'Antoni's uh, watching all their games, trying to shoot threes. Uh, hopefully, he uh, he's probably hoping that D'Antoni misses his 14% from three for some league, but uh, he's shown to be pretty good. I think that in today's game, he had 18-8. and eight. Um, He can drive a little bit. Um, he's pretty much, he's very undersized. Um, uh, so I, th- I think he's actually only six nine or six ten, um, um, but I think that he could be a similar player to Portis. I mean, Portis will have a bigger role this year because the Rockets are loaded in the front court with Ryan Anderson, Beasley, uh, Capella, and Nene. So I don't know if Harrell will get minutes, but I think that you know a similar player that's been uh, pretty impressive in summer league. Um, he could also go elsewhere. I could see another team trying to snatch him up. You don't think so? I could see if they really. I mean, want, it's, they it is to... loaded, and it's not like. I mean, obviously, Nene is old, but you have Capella. Well, we, well, well I, I, as a Rockets fan, uh, as of right now, Demo has not been re-signed, and, and no one has offered him something for the to, for the, mat, the Rockets to match since he is a restricted free agent. I mean, most people on, on most of the Rockets people I, I've I've heard and listened to expect Demo to be back, um, and that adds even more of a wrinkle because then starting four would be Ryan Anderson, and then do you have Beasley as a backup four or a backup three? Because Beasley mm-hmm. can technically can play, play both. as a three, right? And so, if you put Beasley as a backup three, then it'd be Ryan Anderson and potentially Demo. But the thing with Mike D'Antoni is that Demo is really suited to be a center in, in D'Antoni's yeah. system because he's a stretch five and he's actually seven feet anyways. So any stretch anymore. <laughs> and he played um, when Dwight Howard was out two seasons ago when he missed half the games of the season. Demo took over at center and actually had his best season well. of his career. Yeah. Um, so I think that. Where does Nene play? Because Nene is obviously a center now, and Capella's there, so you might have to be forced to play Demo at four, which means you'd probably have to be forced to play Beasley at three just to get him minutes. Right. Unless the Rockets somehow package a trade with Beasley and Brewer or something. But the Rockets' front court is way too crowded for, I think, Hale to get minutes this season. So it's possible. If the Rockets make a trade this season, I would not be surprised to see Montrose Harrell, possibly um, Corey Brewer, obviously, hopefully Corey Brewer. That guy's trash. Um... But then also possibly KJ McDaniels had a really impressive uh, summer league as well. Another Rockets guy. So the Rockets have have Harold Decker and KJ McDaniels who've looked pretty impressive in summer league. Uh, there's reason to hope uh, for the Rockets fans if they can crack the rotation. Only I only see KJ and Decker possibly doing it this season, but they all could be packaged in a trade and not be on the team in six months. So who knows? But they've been look, looked pretty good in summer league so far. Um, any other players or teams you want to talk about in summer league before we get to our new segment of the week? Uh, no, I, th- I think I just was I'm just looking forward to watching Ben Simmons this year. It's going to make Sixers basketball worth it. Might even go to a game if I'm lucky. 
see him in person. Probably yeah, ten ten dollar um, tickets maybe, with a free drink and a maybe, and a food. Might have to have a Ben Simmons jersey. Who knows? Um, all right, oh, yeah. so we got a new segment here: best and worst of the week. Each week, we will. Um, Say you will each choose a, a team, an organization, a front office executive, a player, a league, anything basketball related in the NBA. Who we think is the best of the week, who are the best of the week, or, or category as I'm going to do today, um, and then we'll do the, obviously the same for the worst of the week. So let me start off best of the week. I mentioned it before. These are both summer league related. I've already mentioned it, but my best of the week are sophomore players at summer league. I just mentioned Devin Booker and Trey Lyles and D'Angelo Russell. I mentioned their stats, all averaging over 20 points per game, all averaging five rebounds or more per game, um, and then Booker's actually upped his assist to six and a half, and Russell is four, and he had the ice in his veins, as he always does. Um, but the thing, the reason why they're the best of the week, while only, even though Booker and Lyles only played two games each, and, and Russell actually played four for some reason, I don't know why, maybe you wanted to, uh, they dominated Summer League, which is exactly what you want to see from your sophomores, especially sophomores that you actually expect to lead and carry your team. I mean... The Suns have trade rumors about Eric Bledsoe and or Brandon Knight, but the only one that doesn't have trade rumors is Devin Booker because they're expecting to build around Booker, just like the Lakers are expecting to build around Russell, unless they trade for Russell Westbrook. But uh, uh, they're obviously uh, going to try and build around D'Angelo Russell and obviously with Brandon Ingram there. So you really want to see those sophomores that are expected to you know take the next step. It's good that they're dominating summer league. I, I mean... I'm pretty sure the Rockets would have liked to see Decker play a little bit better, even though he technically is a rookie, because uh, he didn't play at all last season. And, and KJ McDaniels is in, in his third year, and he didn't really even dominate Summer League yet. Um, so it's good to see the, the sophomore players at Summer League dominate like they should. That's why they are my best of the week. Moving on to the my worst of the week are struggling rookies at Summer League. Uh, not all the rookies are struggling. I mean, I mentioned Dunn has had a pretty good Summer League. Um, but... Let's mention just two or three. Uh, Jalen Brown has been struggling. He's actually been playing pretty well on defense, but on offense, he's averaging only 15 points per game, which is not that bad, but 33% shooting. It's not going to cut it in the NBA. Um, but he's looked pretty good on defense. I think I'm, I think he's averaging two steals and a block per game. Uh, so, But again, he, he is most known for his defense at this point before he develops an offensive game. Another uh, rookie who's struggling is Brandon Ingram. Only 10 points per game and 31% shooting. Not what you want to see from the second overall pick, especially if you're Lakers. They're lucky that D'Angelo Russell look like a beast in the summer league. Uh, and then finally, another rookie who's struggling is, is Buddy Heald. Uh, I think he's averaging around 14 or 15 points per game, but again, only shooting, I think, 37 or 38% from the field. Um, and then I saw on Twitter that some people in the Pelicans organization are concerned about his lack of playmaking and ability to get open. I mean, as a shooter, he's got to get open, right? right. So and it's different in college versus different that. in college. So I mean, there are concerns already. Again, I mean, already he was a four-year player, so he's 22 already. He if he if he struggles out of the gate, I mean, he's he really is. He's pretty much probably a more athletic knockdown shooter, which I don't know if you really want that from the sixth or seventh. I think he was the seventh pick. Well, then um, again, I was gonna say Jimmer for debt, but then I just thought about who drafted him, the Kings. So yeah, and it sort of I, that doesn't that makes my point mute. I guess exactly. So I mean, there are concerns with Buddy Hield. Who knows? Maybe he'll turn out to be a knockdown shooter, take the ball over, and, and develop his playmaking skills. I mean, he's he's, he's next to another star, Anthony Davis. So we'll see. Um, so yeah, the, my worst of the week are struggling rookies at summer league. My best of the week, sophomore players at summer league that are dominating. Alex, your first ever installment of the best and worst of the week. All right, I'm going to take a different direction. I'm going to start with the worst of the week first. The worst of the week award for me goes to Brooklyn Nets, who have 
like once again failed to attract any. Uh, well, essentially, well, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Well, they tried. Essentially, I was going to say that they were not trying to attract a, a marquee free agent, and I want to say oh, that, I was going to say just general talent to the team. Well, they, I mean, yeah, they got Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin and Trevor Brooker, I thought were great signings for their contracts, and the thing is that you can't really blame them because. I mean, they, 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 they offered the max right. for those for Tyler Johnson and uh, well maybe not the max for Tyler Johnson but they offered the max for Alan Crabb and a pretty hefty deal for Tyler Johnson that if Wade had stayed in Miami they would have Tyler Johnson right now and he'd probably be saying they'd have a pretty good offseason right so you can't really blame them for the way things unfolded for trying to go after restricted free agents yep Some, but sometimes you have a, a horrible Some, week and hey, it's not even your fault so hey they, they caught so, the Brooklyn wrath Nets, of Alex this week and he, Brooklyn Nets this one goes out to you uh, you know just looking at your roster coming up this year Oh, I'm scared. Well, of course they're. Gonna, I feel bad. You know, Kenny Atkinson. He's coming in for his first time, first job. I don't think it's reflect well on him. I don't think it's going to be should, a successful oh, so, season. It's going to be a, you know, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, the NBA D League team is coming to Barclays Center. I don't Long know. Which, I don't Nets. know. I don't know which team is going to draw more. <laughs> they might run some great promos in uh, Long Island Nets, but. Uh, well, the thing is that. I think that Kenny Atkinson is going to have a similar Brett Brown situation where most people respect him around the league. When he was hired, they, most people applauded the Nets for hiring him. Um, but the thing is that, you know, can, can we even still evaluate Brett Brown as a coach yet? No, because what he's been giving After with, this year, maybe. Maybe after this year. And maybe. And there was someone on Twitter who was like, you know, the Nets will probably be worse than the 76ers this year. So... The Nets are oh, most yeah, likely. Definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, the, Not, I, actually, the, the signings that the Nets made I actually liked. They actually signed Randy Ford to the to two million one year two million dollar deal today. I'm pretty sure. So another veteran guard. I actually like the signings they made. I think if they landed one or both of Tyler Johnson and Alan Crabb, we would probably be saying they have a good off season. At least at least one of them. But they got unlucky with Wade leaving and Tyler Johnson be matching. And then most people expected the Blazers to not match. And obviously we just talked about them before. We don't really like them matching the deal. So uh, maybe I, I think that I think that if they had signed both. Johnson and Crab, I would have probably left them as worst of the week just because the similar statement I made before about the, the Blazers, Blazers yeah. signing those big those players to huge contracts for five, four or five years, and when you know you don't even that's not going to bring your team anything. You're just going to be throwing money at the the, the the you know the next thing that moves, right? You know what I mean. The problem with the Nets is that, and Sean Marks probably has the hardest job in the in the league. They're trying to rebuild without any assets. The only right. asset I, they traded away Thaddeus Young for Thank a first you, round Billy pick. King, right? Billy King should should be crucified outside of Barclays Center, and there should be a, not a statue, but he should be crucified outside of Barclays. Maybe Center. that would be one of the Long Island Nets promos. Come watch the live crucifixion of Billy King. I mean, they should do a thirty for thirty on how 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 poorly his tenure as an SGM boiled down to. But anyways, Sean Marks is the toughest job because. They traded away an asset and Thaddeus Young got a first round pick. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was Chris Levert and who knows? Maybe he turns out to be pretty good, who knows? I like Isaiah Whitehead though. Talent uh, yeah. local kid. Yes, I like that pick Seton too. Seton Hall. I like that pick too. One big East tournament. Uh but the thing is that besides besides on their roster right now, Brooke Lopez is the only asset. Maybe Chris McCullough, who was injured last year, pretty people say can be developed to be a pretty good power forward. Um but yeah, so Brooke Lopez is the only asset. Um Really, so I mean, you're not going to trade Jeremy Lin. He's, you, you know, you're getting Jeremy Lin. You're not going to Trevor Booker. You know, you're getting Trevor Booker right now. So Mark is trying to do a rebuild without pretty much any assets because you know the Celtics own their picks. They might as well own them for the rest of the Nets' existence because of that Billy King right. deal. But it's he's doing the hardest job. He thought by or offering good deals for young guys, Tyler Johnson and Crab are both 24. I'm pretty sure he thought maybe maybe one of them hits a home run and develops into a good player for us, and then it doesn't look that bad of a signing. But 
They didn't. They struck out on both of them. They're stuck now with a horrible roster with no draft picks for the next year or two. I'm pretty sure. Um, Sean Marks, if you can pull this around, you've got uh, coach of GM, the year. Of, yeah. GM of the year. If you get like 35 wins, 40 wins, you're gonna be coach of the year. Kenny or, Atkinson. Yeah, Kenny Atkinson. Sean Marks would be so. GM of the year if they for the next century if they can build this into a playoff team within two or three years. Um, but yeah, wow. So okay. So I just I just uh, did a little quick research here. The Nets should probably basically fold playing basketball until 2019 when they get their first round pick back. Because ne- next year they have a sw- swap with the 70 with the Celtics, and then the following year they traded their pick to the Celtics. So um, basically, they're not going to be having draft first round draft picks. Basically, we're going to be horrible. Possibly first, second, at least third, with the rule now. Because I think they probably have the worst record in the league. They could um, easily have the worst record in the league. Um, and if the Lakers have an injury to Dang, they could also have a pretty horrible record as well. Right. But, Our, yes, yeah. I understand they're the worst of the week. And it's not. A, I will not be surprised if they end up being a, a lot more worst of the week. Right. Segments. I have a feeling they're gonna, they might they might share. They might win the record for most worst of the weeks. Hey, maybe season. we can give them. That's the only award they'll win in the next three years. Just as good yeah. as a draft pick, I guess, for them. Anyways. I guess. Your All right, best so of the best week. of the week. We're going to take it back to the top of the segment. we go Tim Duncan. I want to talk about Tim Duncan, probably one of the only guys in the NBA right now or this season that didn't have a Twitter account, didn't have Instagram, wasn't talking about all, wasn't talking about snakes in the grass, DeMarcus Cousins. He was just going about his business every day like he should. He devoted his entire playing career to one team. He won championships, brought them great success. And it should be rewarded. It's because we don't truly appreciate what Tim Duncan brought to the game until we don't have him anymore. And I don't think we're going to have a player like Tim Duncan for the remainder of our time. LeBron James already left. Steph Curry and now Kevin Durant have joined up to this mega ultra monster team. You know, Westbrook's going to leave. You're not going to have loyalty. Wade left. You're not going to have this loyalty to an organization, to a city, to a community like you saw from Tim Duncan. Maybe that has something to do with his personality. Maybe it has something to do with Greg Popovich's maybe mind control over the players. I just think that Tim Duncan has brought something special to the NBA and something that we're going to be missed and something that we're likely not to see again in this hyper-media, hyper-glamour um, society in which we find the youngest players at 18 years old and they're on Sports Illustrated and ESPN covers from the moment they do a slam dunk in 8th grade. <laughs> so it's something that we're not going to see and I just want to say goodbye to Duncan thank you very much if only the Thunder have had, were able to have a player as loyal as you subtweet Kevin Durant subtweet Kevin Durant what a great tribute to the 15 time All-Star 5 time NBA champion 3 time NBA Finals MVP and 2 time NBA MVP a true legend he will obviously be missed now when, I, when we started the show I mentioned a giveaway for Fan Essentials now, here is the question, which I will also post on Twitter. Whoever answers this question correctly first will win the code for a free month of Fan Essentials. Again, you can obviously use the code 94FEET at any time to get 30% off your first month. Um, but if you get this question correctly, and whoever does it first will get the code for a free month. The question is, who owns the record for the highest free throw percentage in a season? 
No minimum shot attempts, no minimum free throw attempts. Who owns the record for highest free throw percentage for an entire season? Again, whoever answers that question, I'll post it on Twitter as soon as this podcast episode is up. Whoever gets it correct first, whoever answers the question correctly uh, first, will get the code for a free month at Fan Essentials. Again, as I mentioned, Fan Essentials before... You know, if you really want to get all of your favorite NBA teams' merchandise delivered straight to your doorstep, you've got to check out Fan Essentials. I mean, all you do is pick up your pick your favorite sports team. I mean, and every month you get your team's gear shipped right to your door. It's that easy. They find the sports gear, so you don't have to. I mean, each fan box comes packed with full uh, with some amazing gear that you really won't find just from going online to the NBA store, or going to the NBA store in, in New York City or whatever. You won't find some of the gear that they give you. It's unique. It's it's from the local communities, etc. I mean, it makes a, you don't have to get it for yourself. It makes a great gift idea for any sports fan. Um, again, prices start at just thirty four ninety nine. You can visit fanessentials.net and use the promo code 94FEET. That's the uh, number 94FEET. Uh, and, and you can get 30% off your first month. Again, if you answer the question, who owns the highest free throw percentage in a season? Uh, if you answer that first correctly, you will get a free month of Fan Essentials. And I'll be doing these giveaways each episode so you got to stay tuned on twitter and for the podcast but then you can visit fanessentials.net to get all the essentials you need i want to thank alex again for another great episode yeah thank you for having me eric maybe uh, invite me around or maybe i'll just stay in the studio until the next next episode yeah who knows if he'll ever leave he might be around for a while um but we'll get this episode up got to look for the question on twitter go to fanessentials.net promo code 94 feet uh, i'll obviously remind all of you on twitter thank you for listening And I hope you guys have a great week.